You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Wow. So beautiful. You know, sometimes words are just not enough. (laughs) Words are just not enough. You know, the thing about the arts is that uh, the enemies had the arts for way too long. Yeah, and the church needs to get it back. And uh, that's what we believe here at Resurgent ATL and love everything that we've done this morning with the video with the kids and the poem reading and the, the artistic dance and uh, the paintings. It's just absolutely beautiful. And uh, God's redeeming it all. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I got a privilege to introduce to you our speaker today. Uh, this guy is a really good friend of mine. He's also a part of this family at, our, at this church, and uh, uh, this guy's the real deal. I love him so much because he's got a great heart for God, and he's passionate, and he, there's not a thing that comes out of him that isn't about going after the kingdom. So I want you guys to welcome Craig Sloan to the pulpit. Wow, what, a, what an incredible morning of worship. It's 11-11. 11-11 is transition, double transition, and it also is resurrection. How many remember the story of Lazarus coming out of the tomb? I believe it's not just his resurrection, it's your resurrection. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's your resurrection. We'll loosen you guys up a little bit. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you look a lot better than the last time I saw you. Turn to the other neighbor and say, you should have told somebody the Easter Bunny was going to be here. We wouldn't have had room. We would have had to put people in the, out, in the hallways. It's good to see all of you. You look beautiful this morning. Make sure you come back. Uh, our pastors are amazing, Chris and Terry. You'll get to hear from him in just a few minutes, and you definitely want to hear them minister. They have such an anointing on their life. I'm going to jump right into the Word. I want to talk to you. My daughter made this shirt for me. And it says, this blood is for you. So I'm going to talk about the blood covenant this morning. I usually, you know, when I was pastoring years ago, it's probably been 13, 14, 15 years ago. And I saw a picture of myself the other day. Chris has a video. I should have had him put it up where I'm dancing like crazy in Chicago and I'm acting crazy. My daughter caught me on and put it on uh, YouTube. And then people started contacting me and said, you're a triple threat. Man, you you just you were dancing and doing the Jews, and he said I looked like a gangster. Had my hat like this, and uh, I would do that, but I wouldn't want to embarrass you. So, First Samuel chapter eighteen, uh, they are not able to put it on the screen. We have some challenges, but if you want to open your Bibles, go ahead and grab your Bible. We're just going to read four verses. We're going to jump right into the message. I'm not going to be long this morning. And give me about twenty minutes, and we're going to. Get this word, it's going to bless you, it's going to minister to you. What an incredible, we love our worship team, love our sound team. Media team is amazing. Let's give it up for our media team. Guys in the back, every week, they nail it. First Samuel chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. 
Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Somebody say made a covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan, this is where we're going to focus this morning, verse 4. Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his, and his belt. Now, I want to talk this morning. Let's just pray and just thank Jesus for being here, and we'll jump right in. Jesus, I thank you that you're here today. You are so awesome. We, we celebrate you today. This day is about you. I pray today that there will be marked encounters in this room. That people that in this room that may not know you, maybe they do, they don't know you intimately. They don't know you like you want them to know you. I pray that you reveal yourself in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There are several covenants in the Bible, but one of the most powerful ones that's mentioned is the blood covenant. The word covenant in the Hebrew means to cut. It means to shed blood. Isn't it interesting that the word covenant means to cut? And if I was really going to preach and not going to chase rabbits today, it not only represents the cutting of a covenant with blood, but it represents the cutting away of things that have held you back. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The blood is the main subject of the entire Bible. The Old and the New Testament are really Old Covenant and New Covenant. They were both provided for by the blood. The Old Covenant was provided by the blood of animals and the New Covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, you're glad for that. I want to, tell, I want to start out with a story that you probably have never heard. And one of my favorite characters in history, it's a story that E.W. Kenyon tells of David Livingston a very famous missionary in Christian history. He went to Africa, and he wanted to reach the people in Africa that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. In order to go into the regions that were dangerous and have protection, he had to make an agreement with the main chief over that re those regions. And that chief was like a king over the regions. He was the most powerful man in those regions. David Livingston went to him and he said through an interpreter, he said, I want to make an agreement with you. The chief took a knife and cut his wrist and then David Livingston, whose body is buried in Westminster Chapel in England, in order to reach souls, he cut his wrist and blood began to pour from his veins and they mixed their blood together. The natives started rejoicing. A celebration broke out and then before David Livingston left, there was the second part of the covenant. First was the cutting or the shedding of blood, the mixing of blood. They become blood brothers. But there would also be the second part of the covenant, which was an exchange of gifts. The chief looked at all the possessions that David Livingston had. But he had one thing that the chief really wanted. He wanted his goat. He had a pet goat. And that's all that David Livingston cared about. He could care less if the chief took his gun or his tent or something else. But the chief really wanted that goat. I'm not sure why. Maybe he wanted the milk. But the very thing he loved the most was the thing, according to David Livingston, that the chief demanded. So he hands over that goat. And then the chief does something interesting. He reaches in and he takes out his staff that had his emblem carved in it, and he hands it to David Livingston. 
And then David Livingston sets out with his guys into the treacherous jungles of Africa. Now watch this. It's interesting that when David Livingston died, England sent a whole force of men over to Africa to retrieve his body and to bring it back to be buried in Westminster Chapel. But when they got there, his heart had been cut out. The natives said, you can have his body, but his heart belongs to Africa. And they buried his heart in the dirt of Africa because he had such a heart for the souls of Africa. How many of you have a heart for the souls of our region of Atlanta? And what was amazing to me is when David Livingston got out into the deep of the jungle, in one place it tells of him being surrounded by hostile natives ready with bows and arrows to attack. And suddenly David Livingston reaches down and he holds up the staff that had the emblem of the great chief. And when he did, the wound, the scar that was forever there on his wrist where he had cut covenant with the chief who was a king. They said, if we attack David, we are attacking the chief. If we harm him, we are harming the king and all of his mighty forces. So they instantly, when they saw that mark, and they saw that scar, they saw the emblem of the chief, they dropped to their knees, they dropped their weapons, and they let him go through. And he ended up changing the nation of Africa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Come on. What a beautiful picture. Yeah, give God praise for that. What a beautiful picture of the blood covenant. Jesus said when he entered into the upper room with his disciples for the Last Supper, he said in Luke, the 23rd chapter, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood shed for you. He was saying we are entering into a blood covenant and the old covenant, which is the Old Testament, was all about the keeping of the law. It was all about rituals and legalisms and you had to earn it and you had to work for it and you had to deserve it. And if you messed up, which I messed up many times, they would take the blood of an animal and the blood of the animal would never take away your failure. It would only roll it over into the new year. You know what? If they did that for me, the zoo would be, there would be no zoos in America. <laughs> Jesus said this time, the, on, the, on this cross, on this day, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood that is shed for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this blood is for you. See, we just read over that and we understand it. But, you know, we, we don't really fully grasp but they understood the blood covenant and what he said. He said, this is the cup of my, which is my blood. This is the bread which is my body. And I'm entering into covenant with you. We're going to do that in just a moment. What I want you to see this morning and the reason, you know, I've, I've preached Easter and I've never used this text. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody use this text on Easter Sunday. They always preach about resurrection and about the tomb that was empty which our worship team did masterfully today. How many realize that when they were worshiping, they were preaching? They were proclaiming. They were prophesying. But what I want to show you this morning, the reason I started out with this story is the Bible says Jonathan said to David, and David said to Jonathan, let's make a covenant. And they entered into a blood covenant. The word covenant, as I told you, means to cut. 
Now watch this. Jonathan does something strange. He takes off his robe, which represented his position, and he hands it to David. He takes off his armor, which represented his possessions, and he hands it to David. And then he takes his sword, his bows, and his arrows, and he hands it to David, which represented his weapons. It's a powerful thing when you understand what this is all about, because the robe was not just a garment. It identified Jonathan as the king's son and rightful heir. Wherever he went, they would know that this robe meant royalty. It spoke of his position. It spoke of who he was. It spoke of his power and authority. And when he wore that robe, what he was saying is, I am a rightful heir. My father Saul is the king of Israel, and I'm taking my position as his son. Woo! I'm going to get a preach like Jake, Jake did. I, Jake about got me going. I was about to run a lap. Like the old days. Y'all would have not, some of y'all would have thought he's, Greg's seen me. Greg's, Greg's traveled with me and seen that, that side of me. Jonathan was saying, I want you to take the authority and the position that I have. I'm giving you my robe. And that comes through the blood covenant. That's what Jesus has done for you and me this morning. When the king's son Jesus went to the cross, the first thing he did is he traded positions with you. And he said, I'm giving you this place of position so that you don't have to come to my throne as a beggar, but you can come as a child of the king. You can come as a son and a daughter, and you can come clothed with my righteousness. You can come with boldness and confidence because of what the blood has done. Come on, somebody. Not only that, he said, I'm giving you my armor. And that speaks of the possessions. That speaks of meeting your needs. The blood covenant not only changes your position. The blood covenant not only gives you authority to walk boldly into the throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace at a time of need, but that shed blood also says he will supply all of your needs. I give you my possessions through the shedding of the blood. Come on, somebody. Who would like to know what those possessions are? Come on, how many want to know what those possessions are? Come on, y'all work with me. Through the blood covenant, there's healing. I believe God's healing people today. I said, I believe God is healing bodies today. I believe that God is healing marriages. God is healing relationships. God is healing dreams. God is healing your future. God is healing families. And God is healing our city and our region. In fact, I believe, and I want you to get with me on this, I believe that he's healing our nation. The blood provides deliverance. It provides peace. It provides joy. It provides healing for the broken places in your life. I saw somebody who quoted this, a friend of mine. He said, the, the church is for broken people. And if it's not, then the church is broken. All of these possessions come through the blood covenant. They come because Jesus gave us his righteousness. He gave us a position for where we can re freely receive grace and the forgiveness and the healing and the miracles of God. He gives us that freely. And then if that wasn't enough, he takes his sword 
He takes his bow, his arrow, and he gives it to David. What a beautiful picture, Terry. What he was really saying is from this day forward, since we have entered into the blood covenant, I give you my sword. This is what it meant, Pastor Chris. Whoever fights you will fight me. Whoever comes against you comes against me. Whoever tries to destroy you tries to destroy me. And if they attack you, I will come and I will fight for you because the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay calm here. I'm trying, man. Y'all would see the on the inside of me is bouncing around like a crazy madhouse. Um, you know when we when we were singing about the the when Joe when Jake was sharing about leading them the parade in Colossians, where Jesus led captivity captive. The Message Bible says he went through downtown hell. He went through the streets of hell into downtown eternity and made a public spectacle of the enemy. When he said that, I, I, heard, I saw something I'd never seen. I'm getting a little outside my mind. I'm going to jump right back in. He actually led that which has held you captive. He led it down streets in front of everyone. He led shame. He led unforgiveness. He, he led that thing that you've done that nobody knows about. The thing that's caused you shame. The thing that's kept you from feeling like a son and a daughter. He led it through downtown eternity. He made a public spectacle. Mm, the blood coming. Come on, give God praise for that. The blood covenant says, not only do I give you my royal position, my possessions, I supply all of your needs. Healing, blessing, success, provision, wisdom, goodness, joy. Whatever you need this morning, just fill in the blank. He says, I've already supplied it for you. The blood covenant says, through the giving of the sword, I give you my power. I give you my name. I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you the blood. I give you my sword. I give you the word. And it is a weapon. And when you speak that word, the blood covenant stands behind it. And if that's not enough, then he gave us the personhood of Jesus. He said, see, the devil wants to fight you in your own position, in your own strength, in your own righteousness, in your own possessions and what you have. He wants you to fight and use what you have. So if you get into the battle, you're fighting with your possessions and your sword and all the position that you can earn. And listen, I've learned the hard way. That's a miserable way to live. The blood covenant says you don't have to earn anything. I freely give it to you. Oh, come on. So when David becomes king, I'm almost finished. Saul dies. Jonathan tragically dies. But he made a covenant. He made a blood covenant with David. And now David, I want you to picture this with me. David is sitting on the throne. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you to listen to me. Not just, don't look at the weird bald man whose head is glowing, you know, because the light reflects off and, you know, the wild man standing up there. Don't look at me. Close your eyes for just a minute. But I want you to listen. I want you to focus. I want you to see this as if you were watching a movie. David is sitting on the throne. And as David is sitting on the throne, 
he asked a question. Now, I don't know what made him think about that think about it, but he was probably sitting there in the palace thinking of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. He probably heard a song from Bethel about the goodness of, the, of God. And he reaches down, like I sit in my, rock in my recliner in my basement when I pray. He reaches down to grab his wine cup. And when he does, he sees the scar that's on his wrist. And as he sees the scar, he remembers he made a blood covenant with the king's son. Now, when I was thinking about this, I thought about that's why after the resurrection, when Jesus received his glorified body, he still had a scar. I, I thought, you know, if we're going to be healed and receive a new body, you would think that he would get a body with no scar. But the reason the scar is still there, because every time he sits on that throne and he looks at his wrist, he remembers you. He remembers the price that he paid. And as David is sitting there, he remembers, and he asks a powerful question in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You can open your eyes now. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I was just fixing my shirt. It was, I was showing, I was trying to make it fit. He's hiding my stomach. He says, is there anybody left of the family of King Saul that I can show kindness to? Listen to that covenant word that I may show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. Now, who was Jonathan? Jonathan was the one that had made the blood covenant. Now, what, what all the other people in the palace thought is this is revenge time. Because in the Bible days, the first thing the king would do if he overthrew a kingdom is he would hunt down anyone that would be a rightful heir and he would kill all the royal seed and all the children and all the sons who could potentially down the road cause a problem. He would just go ahead and kill them all. So when he asked, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to? They're like, yeah, right. Get ready, man. He's about to go down. This is going to be like the show on the National Geographic where the new lion comes out and kills the old lion, and then he goes and kills all the little cubs because he doesn't want anybody to threaten his kingdom. This is going to be like Lion King. They think this is what's about to happen. And then somebody speeds up, and they said, there's only one left of the house of Jonathan, and his name is Mephibosheth. Say that name. Say Mr. Mephibosheth. They say to David, when Saul was killed and you were crowned and all the people were bringing you in celebrating, Saul has slain his thousand, but David is killed and they're putting him on the throne. It says that the nurse picked up five-year-old Mephibosheth. Now, I don't know how big a five-year-old is, but most preachers say it was a baby. But five-year-old, I'm not sure, but that's a little heavy baby. I got some grandchildren, I know, especially if it's a boy. She's running for her life trying to save him, and it says that she tripped, and she lands on that five-year-old Mephibosheth, and she crushes him, and he is crippled for the rest of his life. I could preach today about people that have been dropped, but we're not going to go there. He lives in a place called Lodabar. Somebody say Lodabar, just so you can say something that sounds kind of Lodabar. 
That doesn't sound good, does it? It means a barren place, a dry pasture. It means a lowly place. And I want you to see this. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's about 13 or 14 now. He's just a young teenager. He lives in an old dirty shack. He eats out of a tin can. And he crawls around in the dirt all day. David says to his mighty men, take chariots, take horses, and go. And watch this. He uses an interesting word. It says, go and fetch him. I love that. Jesus came and he fetched you. And here comes the mighty men rolling up in the chariots and the horses. The, the dirt is causing smoke, not smoke, but dust to be in the air. And there he hears, Mephibosheth hears the chariots coming. I wish I had some sound effects. And he feels the ground shaking and he crawls through the dirt. He pulls himself up to the window and he looks out and he sees these mighty soldiers. He thinks, I'm about to die. All that's ever been told to him is be afraid of David. Hate David. He's your enemy. He's going to kill you. He's going to wipe you out, and he's going to give you what you deserve. He's shaking in fear. He thought this was, this is it. Stephen, if you want to come to the keyboard, please. They take him. They put him in the chariot. They bring him back. But when he gets there, they don't take him into the prison. They take him to the palace. I'm slowing it down on purpose. They carry him in. They clean him up. He gets his very first hot bath. They put clean royal garments on him. And when they seat him at the king's table, I wanted to have a table here, but I was afraid it would kind of mess up the dancing. But I want you to imagine, close your eyes one more time. He, they seat him at the seat of honor in the king's best seat. He's the honored guest at the king's table. And he's sitting there wondering, why am I here? Look at this table. The reason I wanted to do this is because I'm kind of hungry. I would like to have some fried chicken on my table. He looks at the table and it's got the best of the best. Filet mignon, lobster, stuff that he's never seen. Listen, this guy couldn't even get a Happy Meal. He couldn't get a five, he couldn't get five cents to buy a Coke back in the old days. And he looks at this table and he says, why am I here? And the king looks at him and he says, welcome home, son. I heard Jake said that and that was confirmation that I was supposed to preach this. He says, welcome home. He says, you're, you're never going to leave here. You're going to sit continually at my table. Chris, you belong here now. I know you came from Texas and you got roughed up by some ox or, or, or some uh, bulls in the old bull days. 
He said, but now you're a part of the family. Mephibosheth is thinking, I don't deserve this. Why am I here? And then all of a sudden, Mephibosheth sees it. He sees the scar. And he realizes the only reason that I'm here is my father Jonathan made a blood covenant with David. And I came this morning on assignment to tell you that Jesus says to every person here, I know you and I know your name. Come on. I give you a new position. I give you the possessions that you need. I give you the power and the weapons that you need. I give you my personhood through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I make a covenant with you. A blood covenant. And Psalm says, And the secret of the Lord is given to those who fear Him or honor Him. And I will show them my covenant. I believe today he's inviting you to the table. No matter what your past may be. Listen, if you looked at my past, you would say he's not even qualified to stand up here. Other than the fact that I understand if it hadn't have been for the blood, where would I be? Today he's inviting you to the table. We're going we're gonna to move into communion. And, um, you know, as eloquently as Craig put it, uh-oh. Somebody's going to have to screw that thing back on. <laughs> he, uh, Jake didn't know his own strength. He's inviting you into a covenant. He's inviting every one of us in here into a covenant. And um, we, we get to choose whether we're going to enter into that covenant with him or not by our actions and by our faith. Uh, we're going to go ahead and I want, what I want to do, and we're going to take communion together. I want to release this first section here to come up and grab the elements and then go back to your seat. And then when this section's done, we'll, we'll do the back section. So you guys come on and get up. And Sorry, this is, we're not passing it. You, you've got to come up and get it.
All right, the back section, would you guys come on up? Thank you for doing that so wonderfully. You know, um, I think the Catholics, the Catholics had something that they knew about that we didn't know about. Uh, in in the Catholic religion, when they take communion, they literally believe when the elements are blessed that it literally becomes the actual body and the blood of Jesus. And I think uh, we need to take note of that because, you know, the Bible talks about in Corinthians that when we take the elements wrong, that there's, and we don't discern the Lord's body right, we have many who are sick, who are asleep and dying. We have jealousy, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, everything you can imagine that has plagued mankind for eternity. And when we move from ritual to taking the elements or communion as just being ritual to a place of faith, things begin to happen. Amen? When we believe that when these elements are blessed, that they actually become the body and the blood of Jesus, it means that right at that moment when we take that in faith, we will, be, we will be healed, strengthened, restored, and made alive in Him. Amen? We stand in a place where we receive that and we believe that, and it's from that place we benefit from what He did on, his, on the cross and at the resurrection. So when we do this this morning, I, I, I want you to, we're going to bless it. And, and Jesus modeled this. As we read this out of Matthew, it said that he broke the bread, he blessed it. Then they drank of the wine, he blessed it. He did the exact same thing. So as we go to take these elements this morning, I want you to believe that what you're partaking of is the actual sacrificial lamb who died on the cross and who rose from the grave. 
And when you step into that place and put your faith with that, the glory and the amazing, miraculous power of Jesus is going to course through your blood. Amen? Like Craig said, this blood is for you. It is. That's why we're here today. We're here to celebrate Easter. We're here to celebrate what he did. Everybody stand up for me. And go ahead and open the top of your communion cup. Get the bread in your hand. And I'm going to read this out of Matthew 26. Everybody ready? And it says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it. For this is my body. Go ahead and take it. Father, we just thank you that your body was broken for us. That it was in that place of you being beaten and broken on the cross that our bodies were totally made healed because of what you did. And Father, we just receive that in our lives right now. We receive healing in every area of our physical bodies in our emotions, anxiety, any of the things that plague us because we're human. Father, we receive your total healing in the name of Jesus. And it says, Then he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks for God, to God for it, and he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it was poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Father, we just thank you that your blood that was shed, that was poured out on that ground, on that day, that, God, that was an everlasting covenant that you were making with mankind. That, Father, your blood restored our inheritance as your children, as your sons and daughters. And we just thank you, Father, for what you did for us on the cross. And that, Father, you are now sitting at the right hand of the Father, constantly making intercession for us today. That's good news because it means that he is totally fighting for you every instant of your life. He is there interceding for you with the Father, praying for you, and he's given you all authority. He's given you everything that you need to succeed in this life. Amen? Jesus shed his blood for you, and he hung between heaven and earth on a cross for six and a half hours in agony so that you could have victory. So today, I just want to encourage you. Let's go ahead and have our prayer team come up here. 
You guys on the prayer team, if I talk to you this morning, just come on up. I want to encourage you today, if you're here this morning and you said, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but I feel like I've just kind of, you know, we use this word backslidden or fallen away. And I don't feel like I'm my relationship is where it used to be. I want to encourage you to come up here and make a recommitment to what God has committed to you, that covenant that he's, he's cut with you. Like Craig talked about, cut. He cut that covenant. Covenant means cut. He cut that covenant with you to come up and reconnect and to say, Father, I want to, I want to sit at the table and I want to eat in front of the presence of my enemies knowing that I am a son and that I'm a daughter. If you're here this morning and you say, but I don't know him. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know him as a father. All I've ever known is hate and, and shame and some of these other things in my life. I, I've had a bad life. There's, there's things that have been done wrong to me. I want to encourage you. to You can come and give your life to him today. And your life will forever be changed. Forever. Because he loves you unconditionally. And it doesn't matter what happened in your past. What happens in your future is you have to say yes to him. So I invite you this morning, if you don't know him, we, we can lead you to a heavenly father that loves you so, so much. If you need healing, if you need a prayer of agreement in any area of your life, we want to invite you to come forward. We'll pray with you. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the reminder of what you did and your sacrifice that you made for us because you you came and you you reconnected with your creation. You sought out your creation and you said, I want to have relationship and I am going to make a way for that to happen and I will stand in the gap. Father, we thank you that you stood in the gap. We thank you that that you pursued us. You pursued us. He's pursuing you today. He's constantly pursuing you. Open your heart to that this morning. Father, we just thank you and we love you and we give you all the praise and all the honor and we say thank you today. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you want to come up to the front and get prayer, we're here for you. If not, we release you. Stay quiet as you walk out for those who are being prayed for. But we encourage you to go and spend time with your families today. If you're not with your family today, call your family. Tell them how much you love them. The kingdom's about family, people. It is. It's about family. It's the most important thing there is. Reach out to your family because God redeems it all. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a blessed day. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.